Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to episode 161 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Brandon Cunningham is going to join us as we have a conversation with Jim McNeil. Jim is with a company called the Arbinger Institute, and they help leaders and organizations get out of their own rut of being inward and self-focused. They help break down silos and all of this around the concept of changing mindset, not so much focused on behaviors, but mindset. And that's really an odd direction for companies to take because how do you measure mindset? Well, you, you actually kind of measure it through results. So sit back and relax unless you're driving. In that case, keep your head on a swivel as we have a conversation with Jim about how this approach towards mindset is what is making the difference in companies around the world. Here we go. All right, Brandon, welcome back. And are you trying to floss? I'm, I'm flossing <laughs> like the cool dad I am. All right. My kids shake their heads when I try. I'm like, am I doing it? Am I doing it? And they're like, no, dad, stop, please, please. And my daughter, she dances. So yeah, she actually uh, she's got a high standard for how well I can dance and not dance. Uh, and apparently I don't measure up anymore. Yeah. So, something about being 15 and good. I don't know. Um, all right. So Brandon, we've got a special guest calling in from the Washington, D.C. area. Jim McNeil. He's with the Arbinger. Uh, let me say that without the Arbinger. <laughs> I have not had enough coffee. Um, anyway, from the Arbinger Institute, uh, he's one of the consultants there, and I've met him through, uh, let's see, a, a chain of events. I went to a conference in May. It was with the Association for Talent Development, and while I was looking through the – I was on a swag hunt. I was looking for like all the goodies that all the <laughs> vendors were giving away, and then I stepped into what I thought was the bridge of the USS Enterprise. <laughs> it was like awesome. the, the, the coolest booth and I'm just standing in the circle and I look up like, are aliens going to take me away now? And, and then like one of the reps came up to me and said, Hey, can I help you? And I realized I was at a conference inside somebody's booth, like in Wake their up. workspace. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was just admiring the, the, the booth. Like you got like, it's a very distinct booth. Like I felt like I crossed a threshold. She goes, yeah, we did that on purpose. Like we're, we're trying to win. Like I guess it was a competition and we're trying to win. So they, they took my name down. They gave me a book called the outward mindset. And they got my information in exchange for that. And normally, you know, like I'm getting the book. I'm like, okay, I'll read this someday. I actually read this book on the plane ride back to Texas. And I'm a slow reader, like 20 pages an hour kind of thing. And this flight was a three-hour flight. I was almost done with the book by the time we landed. And I was just amazed by it. And I was like, this this is such a simple yet important step and so hard for us to implement about thinking outwardly. And uh, a few weeks later, Jim calls because that's his job. And he's supposed <laughs> to ask uh, what could he do for our company. And we tried to set up some meetings with our, our leadership to see if this is something we could fit into our, our learning strategy. And sometimes I'm just way ahead of the curve and, or sometimes I'm behind because it turns out we were going with another consultant already. And I was like, oh, man. Um, but I didn't want to waste this connection. And Jim was like, well, are you saying you want me on the show? And I was like, yeah. So <laughs> so uh, what really happened was he called and said, can I be on the show? And then you said, well, I got this other thing going. But yeah, do the show. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, as the recipient of the longest introduction ever, <laughs> Jim McNeil, welcome to the show. <laughs> 
Good morning, guys, and uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. And I, and Jerry, I have not given up on you yet, so don't 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 oh, think this is the end yes. of it. This is uh, this is only the beginning. Yeah, I haven't given up either. I, I, this again, that book was um, again just that little thing. If I if I look at if I look at 2018 and what was the biggest shift for me, uh, it was that one little thing. And I was I was already servant minded to begin with. Mm-hmm. But this helped me one-up my game a whole lot, and, and people have noticed. And- yeah, and as soon as he got that book, Jim, he uh, messaged me because we work about 100 yards apart uh, in separate buildings, and he said, hey, you come get this book and read it. So that And and sadly, I've not gotten all the way through it, but it is sitting on my uh, dresser there to, to yeah, grab. If I were your teacher, you'd be getting a big <laughs> F right <Exactly>. now. <laughs> Repeat this grade. Couldn't find the cliff notes for those of you that are over 30 years old, but – uh, so well, Brandon, can I brag about Jerry for a second? Absolutely. Is that is that allowed on is that allowed on the show? Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll cut it out <laughs> later. So go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit this out. But so uh, no, so yeah, so Jerry did come to our booth and uh, at ATD in San Diego, and uh, when when our, my boss hears you're raving about the booth. He will be very, very excited because he he put a lot of time and effort into this, and not only was it a great booth, but we you know we we paid a premium to be you know right in the entrance, and we got when we actually did win the best booth, awesome. uh, but we had a lot of of yeah. people that we talked to, and as Jerry said, when uh, when you get a lead at a trade show, you follow up with it, and you know different various levels of success. And it took me actually took me a while. I think Jerry's uh, contact information may have fallen through the cracks a little bit because it wasn't immediately after the show. It was it was several months later. And when I heard Jerry's story, it was absolutely unreal because we do uh, train people and and educate people on the benefits of of having an outward mindset compared to an inward mindset. And I'm sure we'll get to that at, uh, during the uh, episode. But most people will have to go through our, 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 our training, our specific training, couple days training, and they read the book and they say usually, hey, that's pretty interesting stuff and you know, I would like to, to learn more and I would like to go to a workshop and I would like to maybe bring an arbiter consultant in to, to, to work with my team. But Jerry did something that uh, I have not heard really anybody do, at least in, in my tenure at Arbinger, and that is Jerry just took the uh, concepts in the outward mindset and actually just started doing it. Didn't wait to, to talk to anybody from Arbinger, didn't uh, go to one of our events, just started being outward. And one of the, one of the challenges that, that we have as, uh, as individuals is how do we influence people around us. How do we do that? Because you can't influence people. You can't tell people what to do. All you can do is really lead by example. And what, when I remember when I talked to Jerry that first time, what, and it really made my day was the fact that he implemented the Arbinger principles to the point where people were coming to him and saying, Hey, Jerry, what, what's different about you? Why are you doing it this way? And that is so fantastic that, that Jerry would do that. And like I said, I, I think that uh, we're, you know, I'm not giving up on, you know, trying to, to do some, some work with uh, the folks at, at, at his organization because he's living proof that, you know, it can change, if it can change one person, it can change more than one person. It's, you know, there was uh, uh, a person I heard say one time that, 
as far as a faith and and being a Christian, if 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 you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to <laughs> convict you? Absolutely, that, that is right? a really great question. I, I challenge people on that all the time. And I think, and so if you say you're a Christian and nobody says, oh, really, you're a Christian, then you're <laughs> you're probably not living that Christian life. And it's the same thing with being outward. And it's it's just fantastic that Jerry, you know, took the book and 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 actually, and in, in fact, if everybody did what Jerry did, we we'd only be a book company. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. We wouldn't have any need for any of our consultants or anything. But yep. I didn't want to brag about Jerry, and I I would love uh, uh, I'd love for him to tell just a little bit, and I'll. See, I'm not now. I'm now. I've kind of taken over the podcast. So, Jerry, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, you know how you Jerry implemented. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> this We've never had him on the show. The interview has so this... become the interviewee. Uh, yeah. So uh, when I, I got read a that new book, co-host, his there, name is oh, Jeff. I got replaced already. <laughs> well, it took you three years, man. <laughs> now we'll do the three-man booth like Monday Night Football. Oh, yes. hey, there you go. Oh man. So yeah, when I read the book, some of the concepts that really stood out from the outward mindset and, and uh, the context around what was going on at this time was, uh, so I'm attending this conference in early May. I had just been promoted maybe two weeks prior, maybe a week prior to a manager role. Uh, and the role included, uh, let's see, program management of learning, uh, programs that our team had. And so now I'm supporting a team of like 12 consultants who go out and facilitate training. They have logistical needs. They have, uh, the need to have consistent, uh, updated materials in time with training to know how to roll it out, all that good stuff. Some things that we were, we were trying to do, but we just, we couldn't really hone in and, and do. And then we also had two coordinators that uh, their role was to support all of those 12 consultants. However, when we were digging deeper, it, it turns out they were really barely able to support one uh, and uh, or they were only supporting one. And so there were like 10 others not being supported. And then so our coordinators were also kind of getting burned out, not challenged, all that stuff. Um, so I read this book and I'm thinking, this is us. This is this is where my team of three comes into play because we just got formed. We don't know what the work is going to look like. We've got consultants who are frustrated. We've got a, a team of folks that need help so they can do their best. They want to do their best. They just, there were, there were just needs that they weren't having met. And then there were needs that our team needed so that we weren't going to be burned out. And, uh, then there were needs that my boss had and her boss had. And, and, and then our customers, the guys receiving the training had. And, and I was just like, it, before I read the book, I was thinking, how am I going to pull this off? How, what am I supposed to do? Because <laughs> uh, we're basically creating this wheel and, um, how do we create it? How do we roll it out? How do we get it accepted, uh, as something of value? And, and then I read that book. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's, <laughs> this is how, <laughs> this is how. <laughs> and it was just, uh, I mean, a simple concept, but it's kind of like Mozart. Mozart's easy to play, hard to master. Kind of the same thing. The concept is simple, but to master it, yeah. I mean, you got to actually do it. You got to do it consistently. And, and it, it just, uh, there are a series of diagrams and it was really just boiling down to, you know, who is your customer? Boom. What are the objectives of your customer? Like, what do they need? And then what do I have that can help supply that need? So and, when, when, and you read a lot yeah. and uh, you read this kind of genre a lot as I, as I do too, but what made you want to read this book? Like, uh, 
it was kind of caught you. Well, I mean, it has a great hook at the beginning. <laughs> um, most books tell you about like this person who made sales increase or, um, you know, they try to challenge you like, doesn't your life suck? We'll read our book and it won't suck. This thing opened up with something that hit my heart and it was the Kansas City uh, SWAT team mm-hmm. uh, and that they had just done a raid. Uh, it was a drug bust. And, you know, the, the living room is filled with mothers who have crying babies. And then you've got this uh, officer from the SWAT team just scrounging around through the house, looking frantically for some white powder. He finds some, but it's not the white powder they were actually kicking the down the doors down to find. It was uh, formula for the babies. Uh, and uh, so he finds the, the formula. He mixes it in bottles and hands it out to the mothers to feed their babies. And all of a sudden, the babies all got quiet. And because this officer who, you know, just kicked down their door and seized them at gunpoint, uh, to find, you know, these, they captured the two drug dealers. They're looking for the drugs, but because they calmed the babies down, like it was a nice calm scene. The mothers now had a connection with the SWAT team. Like, Hey, these guys are good guys. Yeah. They're the drug dealers. This is where you'll find the drugs. Like, yeah, like exactly. I mean, I'm paraphrasing the story, but I was just like, that is so different than what you would expect from a SWAT team. And they say it, this is so opposite, you know, three, four years ago, this wouldn't be rational behavior to frantically look for formula. Uh, this would be something irrational. We had go have that guy's head checked. And it was that servant attitude at a situation where you wouldn't expect it. And a scenario you wouldn't expect it that re- achieved the results they were hoping for, which was a very cooperative uh, set of witnesses finding the drugs, nabbing the ba- the bad guys, and then taking the right people off to jail with the right evidence and all that good stuff. Uh, and I was, you know, now my team is not the SWAT team; <laughs> we're, we're more logistics situation. folks. Uh, but because of that, um, I was able to expand. Uh, really like who are all my customers? So number one, I've got these two people reporting to me who are depending on me to provide them with a safe place to work, that they have the tools they need, that they have the process in place to do their job, that they have parameters in place so they can make their own decisions confidently, have support. So if somebody's complaining that I take the brunt of that and then, you know, give them the communication, the feedback without the attack, and so there were all these things that they needed. And so I looked at what, what did they need? And then I looked at, okay, who do we serve primarily? Great. It was these consultants. And so what are, what are they complaining about? And I, I didn't know. <laughs> so it, it forced me to do a round of, um, well, interviewing with them. Yeah. Like what's working well? What isn't? What, what do you wish you had as far as support? All that stuff, asking all those questions. And they gave me this feedback. And this went on for about two to three weeks. And my boss is asking me, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, all right, what does she need? Because she's also a customer. So she needs answers right now. Uh, so I'll give her that. But I'll also let her know this is where I'm going. Give me about a month. This is what I hope to have in place. And um, and propose this to the team to see if they accept it. Propose it to you to see if you accept it uh, before I propose propose it to the team. And so, and so before we go into full yeah. implementation, Jim, why don't you tell us how you kind of came to this concept of this outward mindset of the servant kind of manager stay with us we'll be right back and now let's talk about how you can use cap show to repurpose and market your content if you have a business like me you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or youtube videos into cap show and it will create all your content marketing assets for you and here's the coolest part CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. 
Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Well, this is uh, something that our founder, uh, Terry Warner, uh, came up with, and he was doing uh, research. Uh, he's a philo- basically a philosopher, and came into this uh, problem of self-deception. And what we really uh, found with self-deception is oftentimes we blame others for things that we are doing. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, it, it really is, 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 as Jerry said, a very, very simple concept, very, very difficult to implement because with the self-deception piece, we end up justifying our bad behavior because of what we perceive to be other people doing things to us when, in fact, other people aren't doing anything to us. Right. And we're just interpreting things that they're doing and then justifying our bad behavior with that. And so uh, Terry was uh, basically just teaching this course, and he had a, a you know he had various students, and all of a sudden people started coming to Terry and just saying, "Hey, you know, could you help us with this? Could you help us with this?" And Terry just felt, "Hey, I'm not really, uh, I, I'm not a business person. I I don't know how to to kind of do what they want me to do." So he went to some of his former students and said, "Hey, I, I think there might be something that we could put together here that could help people." And so he contacted. So we got a few of his former students together, and they formed Arbinger. And uh, really, it's been uh, uh, an un- unbelievable place uh, to work. Uh, we're uh, getting, we're growing and growing and growing. We're uh, we just closed our fiscal year on November thirtieth yesterday, and we had the the you know our highest revenue we've ever had, which was. Uh, well over what we had last year, which was our highest revenue we ever had. So uh, there's a there's there's a, a hunger out there, I think, for this idea of having an outward mindset and the benefits that we can have an outward mindset. And again, I I, I don't want to beat beat the dead horse, but what Jerry did and implemented just by reading the book is is, is pretty remarkable. But uh, when we talk about an outward mindset, since we've thrown that term around. We're really talking about the difference between having an inward mindset and an outward mindset. And when you have an inward mindset, you're really focused on yourself, and you're really focused on what we call your inside triangles. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person, because if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, we wouldn't have survived as a species if we weren't worried about taking care of ourselves first. Right. Uh, but we're not, you know, we're not in, uh, you know, some most people in the world are not, uh, you know, in, in a life to death struggle every single day. Certainly not in the United States, <laughs> for sure. Right. So with with an inward mindset, though, you as again, you're focused on on yourself. With an outward mindset, which which we all should be striving towards, an outward mindset is where we view people as people. We're alive to their humanity. Their needs and challenges are just as valid as my needs and challenges. And as Jerry said, the, 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 the good news, bad news, as I like to say it, is the good news is the concept of an outward mindset is very, very simple. And it's, it doesn't take a whole book uh, to, to describe it. The challenge 
is living it on a day-to-day basis. And so when we do our two our two-day uh, workshops developing and implementing outward mindset, there's always a little bit of a perception that when you go to our two-day workshop, you come in inward and you leave outward. I always use the analogy, the Dr. Seuss analogy with the sneetches and the stars on their bellies. <laughs> you don't walk in without a star and walk out with a star. Right. Uh, it's All it does uh, is show you really how much work you have to do because it's an ongoing journey and it's an ongoing process. But what our, our two-day workshop helps people is, first of all, understand what it is to be outward how it manifests itself in, in all aspects of our life. Any any inter- interaction you have with another human being, you're going to uh, have the opportunity to be in a, have an outward mindset towards that person or an inward mindset. So day the first day talks about that. The second day talks about, okay, now we all agree we want to be outward. So how do we do that? What are some of the things that we can do? How do we rewire our brain? Right. So w- one of the ways that you can you – can, uh, discover or you can kind of uh, realize you're being inward and we call it being in the box is when you view people as objects and when you view people as objects you view them uh, as either obstacles in your way uh, vehicles that I can use or they're simply irrelevant to me and I think as as human beings we probably feel like there's uh, we've all been one of those we've either uh, just been an you know someone views us as an obstacle or someone has views us as a vehicle. I mean, I think we've all been told, hey, that's all fine, that's all great, but you know what, I just need you to do this, right? You're just being a vehicle, or simply just invisible. And when you're, and, and, and I think people realize, hey, when you, feel, when you feel those, when you feel that way, it doesn't feel good. And the behavior that you start to go back towards that other person, we, that uh, just escalates into what we call collusion, where you have two people in the box towards one another. So right. a great, great example that of, of someone who's uh, uh, when you're viewing someone as an object and I'll have to give my wife credit for this because this is her example and I use it all the time because it's, it's very, very common to everybody is when we're in a traffic jam and we need to get somewhere, <laughs> we do not view the peop- other people in the cars as anything other than objects. Right. Absolutely. If you're, if you're sitting, yeah. If you're sitting there, why is this? Why are there so many people on the road? They're just obstacles in my way to get to wherever I'm going. You know, I'm going to be late for my movie now. Yeah. It doesn't even occur to you that the person in front of you may be going to the hospital to visit their mother that's dying, right. which is a little bit more important reason to be <laughs> right. on the road. Exactly. Yet we are objectifying those people. And by objectifying those people, we're not alive to their humanity, and we're not we're, we're we're not we don't really care what their needs and challenges are. And as I said, very very simple concept, very 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 difficult to do, and it truly truly is a journey. It's, it's one of those things. Too, I have a good friend who's a waitress, and she will talk sometimes about people being rude to their waitress or whatever and she always approaches it from the standpoint of she doesn't know what you came in with you know maybe you just lost your job or maybe your kid just got you know arrested or is struggling and and you're projecting that on her it's not about her it's not personal but her job is to treat you like a person regardless of how you treated her 
and and kind of turning that around. I, I try to do that, and I, I'm just as bad as anybody else in traffic, but I try to think about that person that cut me off or is racing down the road. They may be going to the hospital or late for work, and they've been late three times, and this one will cost them their job or whatever. You don't know what other people are going through. Absolutely, and 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 what you said, Brandon, is is was really the epiphany I had because I I was a customer of Arbinger. I was uh, I was in charge of a of an organization in the military, and I got uh, our first book, Leadership and Self Deception. I got it as a Christmas present for for a young man that worked for me. And when I read it, and I read it on an airplane uh, that we were on a trip together, and as soon as we got off the plane, I went to him. I said, so why would you give me this book? Am I this awful person? Is that why you gave me this book? <laughs> and he said, no, 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 sir. No, sir. No, sir. I just thought it was a good book. No, no, no. Not about, not about you. Not about you. You're not in the box. And, of course, I was in the box. Yeah, it's right? fiction. It's and that's fiction. Why, and that's why I reacted that way. And so I, I kind of started to internalize it, not like Jerry did. You know, maybe elementary school level since Jerry internalized it at the PhD level. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of got, I kind of got it a little bit. And so several months later, we were having a, a retreat, uh, uh, you know, executive offsite. And I said, Hey, I don't know what Arbinger is. I don't, I can't spell it practically, but can you call these dudes and find out what, the, what, what's up? See if they can come out and do it, uh, an event for us. So he called them and, uh, one of our partners came out, Jim Farrell. Uh, who's uh, uh, one of the original, who's one of original Terry's students. And Jim, you know, went went through our two-day workshop and took our team through it. Well, we got to the point where we were talking about, uh, as you said, Brandon, where, hey, I don't really know what this person is going through. So again, what I, what I said earlier about collusion, this is where you have two people in the box uh, towards each other. And what we call that is, 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 uh, uh, Collusion, but it's also your your chairs are pointed outward. So the so the the metaphor is you you're both uh, sitting in chairs, but you're not facing each other. You're facing away from each other. If you can get the visual. Right. So Jim said. So one of the ways that you can do is you can't have a collusion with just one person. So the way you end a collusion is you just turn your chair. You turn your chair towards the other person. And I immediately raised my hand and said, Jim. What about them? What about them? <laughs> yep. What are they going to do? They're still doing this. They're still doing that. When are they going to turn their chair? When are they going to turn their chair? And Jim said, it doesn't matter when they turn their chair because once the collusion o- is over, isn't it better than it was? And that was just yeah. – that hit me like a ton of bricks because that was always my thing when I was in, 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 in a lot more in personal relationships and in business relationships – Okay, well, I'll apologize, but you got to apologize first. Exactly. Right? How we've all had those conversations in sixth all, grade. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 that was the really the epiphany for me of how powerful our stuff is. And you're absolutely right. The in, in the waitress example is a great one. And Brandon, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that from you <laughs> when I talk to clients, and I'm not gonna give you any credit for it. So <laughs> just to let you know. Absolutely. But that is. But that's that's great. That is absolutely great because you're right. You have no idea what that person's bringing to the table. Right. You have no idea what they went through. And if you're just if you're just alive to their humanity, alive to the needs and challenges, and there's so many people out there that, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, you, on one hand, it's, it's terrible, to, terrible to be viewed as an object or it's terrible to be, uh, view, you know, viewed as a vehicle that someone can use. 
but mm-hmm. isn't the worst of those three things to just be absolutely ignored or, or not even or not even uh, uh, observed or no one cares about you, just irrelevant? Is absolutely. there a worse feeling than feeling irrelevant? And I think definitely as a manager or a, a leader of any kind, to understand that you're there to serve the people that are under you, not the other way around. And and I say that a lot to my staff. I have a staff of about 11 or 12, and, and I always say, you know, understand I'm here for you. My job is to make sure you can do your job with everything you need. Like Jerry said, I need to make sure you've got the resources and the capabilities and the access to what you need. So technically, I work for you. And and if we approach it with that mindset, it, it empowers the people under you to come to you and tell you, hey, I need a, you know, a hammer or I need a door opened or I need a an email returned or whatever it is. And you adopt that mindset. They will do way more for you than you could ever push them to do. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, servant leadership, I don't know if you how familiar you are with Robert Greenleaf's work. But he was the one in 1970 that came up with the this concept of servant leadership, right. and you're absolutely right. And and you know I'm I, uh, adjunct professor uh, in San Diego before I left, and and I and I taught a course and at Point Loma Nazarene University on on in leadership, and we talked a lot about servant leadership. We talked about transformational leadership. We ter- talked about uh, all sorts of different leadership styles, and. When I think about servant leaders, when you think about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, that to me is the most extreme example of servant leadership uh, that there ever was. Because as you as you guys know, you know, back uh, two thousand years ago, when you're trudging down these roads in 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 the Middle East with no shoes, <laughs> yeah. uh, the feet had to be pretty bad. Right. And for 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 Jesus to Wash the feet of his disciples is an unbelievable story. I always would tell my students, "What would you say if you walked in to your to, to your job tomorrow and your boss said, "Hey, Joe, um, take your shoes off. I'm going to wash your feet." Right? You think things are pretty? That's pretty strange. Well, <laughs> it was obviously pretty strange uh, uh, back then as well. But but to but to your point, Brandon, absolutely that servant. This is a lot to do with servant leadership, and it's how can I be helpful. And and really, it's focusing in, in Arbinger lingo on the outside triangles of other people. Right. And oftentimes, we we don't uh, aren't alive to the outside triangles because simply we just don't ask. Right. As you said, what can, what do you need? What do you need in order to be successful? And and, also and it may with- be so, or, or what can I do differently in order to help you? Because because as a boss, sometimes you say, wow, I'm doing – look at all this stuff I'm doing for my people. I'm a great servant leader because I'm working for them and I'm doing all this stuff. But do you go to them and say, hey, I'm doing X. Is that helpful? Right. Because sometimes they'll just say, um, not really. What would really be helpful is if you did this. Absolutely. But we have to ask the question, and that is, again, being – curious about other people, being alive to their humanity, and really just loving people. And if you it, it's it's I think it's difficult to be a servant leader and it's difficult to have an outward mindset if you don't like people. Uh, yeah, that that's totally true. You can't fake that because it's yeah. too hard. 
But from a practical standpoint, like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, okay, you know, the whole Jesus part, that's great, but be, I don't really want to be a servant. Take it from this standpoint. It is so much more uh, conducive to productivity if you serve your staff, because if you're serving them, they're going to return that. They're going to serve your customers. They're mm-hmm. going to serve their other uh, fellow staff members. They're going to develop that mindset. So even if your concept is, I just want a company that makes money, I want my staff to work harder. Think about how much time you've put in in the last six months to a year or whatever you've been pushing your team and not accomplishing this. What if you developed or uh, adopted this mindset of I'm going to serve them? Because just like you said, Jim, maybe I'm giving them, you know, I made sure my team had all the pins in the world they wanted, but I never asked, would you guys want a pencil? And then you'd be shocked for them to go, yeah, we hate pins. That's why we always want pencils. (laughs) Well, let's talk about a real live business example that's very, very common, and that's uh, and I had just had this discussion yesterday actually about silos because what happens uh, in a lot of businesses is you is everybody's very, very busy, everybody's very lean. Even in, in you know with the economy now, I think it's the first time we've had more open jobs than actual workers that to fill them. So right. most companies uh, are understaffed, they're lean, and everybody's generally speaking very conscientious, very hardworking. And unfortunately, that really drives a silo mentality of, hey, I'm, I've got a lot to do, and I just – I don't have time to worry about you. And that's how we get silos. And so when you get silos, you get lack of collaboration. And one of the things that we do with an outward mindset and one of the reasons that a lot of, a lot of training fails because – you know, one of the, one of the big complaints about trade is it doesn't stick, right? Hey, I went to this great training and it was good for a little while, but it didn't stick. Well, that's primarily because a lot of trainings, a lot of great training out there. Jerry went to ATD, and there's a lot of wonderful stuff that was in the convention center, but it's all very behavioral based training. So, in other words, okay, here's a result. We want a different result. So, as a different result, we're going to change our behavior. Problem is. Behavior change is, is by definition, uh, really only temporary, and we call it the rubber band effect. You pull the rubber band, and you can hold that rubber band for a long time, but eventually it's going to snap back. Right. And But if you change the mindset and you change the underlying mindset, then the behavior change can be permanent. So again, back to our examples of silos and collaboration. Let's say that Jerry and I were – department heads in an organization. And let's say I was HR and Jerry was IT. Couldn't find two more different groups of people, right? Right. And they said, hey, you guys aren't collaborating very well. And, and Brandon, you're our boss. And you say, Jerry, Jim, you guys got to collaborate better. Okay. And, and, and Jerry and I are both thinking, you know what? I'm so busy, uh, but my boss tells me to do it. I'm going to do it. So we say, hey, let's get together once a week for uh, a meeting where we're going to collaborate. And so we do that. And we have some wins. We have some collaboration. But we're still, every you know, while we're sitting in these meetings together, we're both thinking, man, my work's piling up. Man, these emails are coming. <laughs> and man, I got to get this project done. So we're still doing it. We're, we're, being, we're doing outward behavior, but we're still doing it from an inward mindset. Absolutely. So this goes on for a little while. And then Jerry's going to call me one day and say, Hey, do you mind if we cancel the meeting this week? Uh, you know, I've got this big project I got to get out, and uh, I just don't have time for this. I'm, and I'm and I'm I'm, I'm actually happy because I got a lot going on too. Yeah, oh yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll get it up next week. 
And the next week I call Jerry and say, hey, um, I just had this pop-up meeting. Uh, I've, I've got to do this. Do you mind if we kick this, you know, kick it to next week? Sure, sure. <laughs> and as you can see, it, it spirals from there. And now this behavior change of being collaborative has now fallen by the wayside and we've right, gone right back into our silos. But compare that to if, if Jerry and I were outward and we approach it from an outward mindset. And I came to work every day saying, wonder how I can be helpful to Jerry and his team. My number one goal or one of my number one goals is to, is to be as helpful as I can possibly be to Jerry and his team to find out what they need, to give them the resources. And, I, and, and I'm going to judge my success by how successful they are. And Jerry does the same thing with me. I want to make sure, I want to find out about Jim and his people. How can I be helpful to them? And we're going to define our success by how successful they are. Would we have to be told by Brandon to collaborate, or would we just be collaborating naturally and organically through being outward towards one another? Well, it would come naturally. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen and, this and, scenario too to the extreme of because it happened once at a place I worked. They left the meeting on the calendar. So their boss would see they're still meeting, but they just started blowing it off. And they probably didn't meet for the last six <laughs> weeks before their boss caught on to it. There you go. Exactly. And and so that's, you know, when, we're, when we go out and talk to people and, and, you know, when we were at ATD where we met Jerry and, you know, people say, oh, look at all your competition in here. Well, we, we what, what I say is we don't have any competition. I don't, I have not met any company that says that, in, that hey we're 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 advocating an inward mindset. I think we all understand it's an outward mindset. And one of the things that our research has shown is that if you approach training with an outward mindset, it's going to be four times more effective than it was if you don't have an an outward mindset. Yeah. So everything that we do, if if we can get if we can approach all of our issues and problems and training, everything we do as a company or an organization or a family. Uh, that's one of the great things about the outward mindset is it's it, it's applicable to any personal relationship you have. If you approach right. it from an outward mindset, it's going to be that much more deeper, that much more enriching, and eventually that much more successful. But it is difficult to do. Right. I would totally agree. It applies to every situation from a business to a church to a, a neighborhood because we've all at some point thought, you know, why is he mowing his yard at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning? He's doing it just to irritate me, you know, and <laughs> right. so it applies to your neighborhood too. Chances are Absolutely. that might be his only day off and, and he's getting all kinds of grief because his yard's not mowed. So he's not probably not thinking about you while he's doing this. And, and that's, and that's this, that's the self-deception piece. And then when we have the bad behavior back, right, you know, that's where we get into the justification and that's where it really kind of spirals, spirals out of control and it can be, you know, it can be very, very damaging. So one of the things that I love about Arbinger and our work, uh, and you mentioned it as far as being applicable at any relationship you know, we have through our work, you know, we'll, we'll do it mostly through companies and organizations, but we have seen marriages saved. We've seen families reconciled. We have seen uh, personal relationships repaired through what is ostensibly business training. And that to me is such a wonderful benefit uh, of doing it. I have not seen anybody go through nothing wrong with Lean Six Sigma training and green belt and black belt and th and this sort of thing, but I've never 
uh, seen someone come home and say, hey, guys, I had some great training in Lean Six Sigma, so we're going to run our household. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do a green belt project on how to do the dishes. Yeah, okay, I've not seen that. Probably a bad but, idea. <laughs> yeah. But we have seen uh, one of the things we do, and this is a little spoiler alert if any anybody uh, listening ever goes to one of our two-day workshops. But one of the things that they do at the very end, the facilitator typically will say, okay, so everybody has a homework assignment. And, of course, everybody, you know, uh, okay, nope, it's easy. All you need to do is find somebody in your life, business, personal, church, wh- whatever it is, and just get really, really curious about them and just get and, – and ask them questions and just really get curious about them. And so the next morning, everybody comes in and, hey, I hope everybody had a good night. Okay, so let's talk about the homework assignment. And, of course, 90% of the eyes go to the ground, right? Don't call me. Don't call me. Don't call me, right? That's typically how it goes. But there's always a couple people that have done it, and, and, and the facilitator will say, okay, I'd like to sh- – can anybody share – Anybody like to share what they've what they discovered? And that is my favorite part of our two-day events because you will have there's invariably at least one person who shares an unbelievably personal story. Uh, one that recently happened was I went home and I talked to my 15-year-old daughter, and this was a dad. I talked to my 15-year-old daughter. And we had a conversation. We talked for two hours. I haven't had a conversation like that with her for three years. Wow. That's great. And 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 as the guy went on, I mean, you know, there was some dirt in the room and some dust because there was a lot of – it was a lot of uh, eye rubbing and some sniffling <laughs> going on because it was an incredible story. Yeah. Just by getting curious about, you know, your, your child, it's right. – it's unbelievably powerful, powerful stuff. And the only criticism I would have there is is when I did that with Rob Lowe, he blocked me on Twitter. So that was it didn't work out quite as good with me, but I can see why that would be huge benefit to other people. That reminds me, we didn't do the icebreaker. We asked Jim's advice about how to reconnect you to Rob Lowe. I, I, true story, I am actually blocked by Rob Lowe. I don't know why yet, but I had a guy yesterday, I was arguing about politics on Twitter because that's fun for me. He goes, what does this guy even know? He's His only claim to fame is being blocked by Rob Lowe on Twitter. And I'm like, well, hey, I told him I stole his girlfriend at Oxford. Maybe that was what it was. I don't know. I think that's a lie. Yeah, I'm almost positive that's a lie. So, so Jim, thanks for just sharing these stories and, and the book. And, and what's a great way to uh, get a hold of you if people want to reach out and bring in your organization or to just find out more about you or find out more about the book? Well, um, I'm available all the time. I'll give you my, uh, my cell number. That's 619-980-9908. 619-980-9908, or someone can just send me an email at uh, jmcneal, J-M-C-N-E-A-L, at arbinger.com. It's like uh, uh, harbinger, but arbinger, but without the H, so A-R-B-I-N-G-R.com, or just simply call our office. But we're uh, constantly out there trying to turn the world outward, and that's what our that's actually what our mission statement is, is to turn the world outward and I don't know how many people in the world there are. There's billions. So we've, we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, but it's, uh, what I, what I like to, what I like to really focus on 
is you know the old starfish analogy, which I'm sure you guys have heard. You know, oh, the, yeah. the two guys walking on the beach and see all the starfish, uh, you know, washed up on the beach. You know, thousands of them, and one guy leans down and picks one of the starfish up and throws it back in the throws it back in the ocean. The guy and you know the other friend says, you know what? It doesn't even matter. You know, there's thousands. You just saved one. And his friend says, yeah, but it matters to that one. Exactly. And that's how we view an outward mindset. So we're trying to get the word out. But if, but every day, if I can get one person like a Jerry or, or whoever that, can, that changes their life by having an outward mindset, then, then I consider that a great day. That is a great day. And based on what I'm seeing on social media and the TV, we've got plenty of work to do in the, in the world. So you've got job security for years to come, I would assume. So thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you taking out uh, your time with us today. And we'll make sure all of this is in the show notes. So if you missed any of it because you're driving, you couldn't write it down. You can just go to the website and find out everything you want to know about Jim. And I'm sure once we uh, work this out where you end up with uh, Jerry doing some work we'll bring you back on and maybe uh see what else we can learn about uh, jerry's organization too so thanks a lot for joining us and have a great day my pleasure guys thanks if you like everything you heard in this episode be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 161 there you'll find a link to the arbinger institute's website as well as their three books there is the outward mindset which we talked about in this episode the anatomy of peace and then one of their bestsellers leadership and self-deception we're going to have links for all three of those books in our show notes so you can just go straight there and those are affiliate links on amazon so when you click on those and you buy on amazon you actually support beyond the rut that's us the show now we're so glad you joined us and we look forward to joining you next week as we come back with another episode of beyond the rut till then you go live life beyond the rut take care you know the best thing i love about cap show is that they have one of the best communities ever as a cap and myself I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.